Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Sin makes you stupid. I could give case in points. You get some man or woman wrapped up in a relationship with someone that they're not supposed to be with, let it get physical, let it go beyond what it's supposed to, and, and they'll see all these obvious signs. Everybody can see that, oh, this is no good. Oh, no, he's no good, girl. Look, look he's doing this right now, and it's like, no, but he has a good heart, you know? This sin makes you stupid. I've seen men and women stupefied. Most of us can agree that we are always trying to be the best versions of ourselves in life. On top of this, no matter how hard we try, we find ourselves often avoiding difficult decisions that need to be made in order to truly mature. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that through Jesus, we can find personal betterment in ways that we could never fathom on our own. By following Jesus and his teachings, our eyes are open and we can become the best versions of ourselves we've always wanted to be. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 16 as he begins his message, Samson and Delilah. Go ahead and turn to uh, verse 4 and uh, just brief recap if you, if you, you know, kind of follow along with us. Um, we're in the midst of the book of Judges and in the midst of the book we're looking at this specific judge, Samson, who there's, his life spanned over several chapters and so one thing we've seen with Samson is that though, though God had chosen him, God told Samson's mother that he's to be set apart from the womb. He's to be a Nazarite. She was to observe the rules of a Nazarite. And so now Samson's, you know, born, uh, his hair is long, but other than the long hair, has Samson behaved like a Nazarite? There hasn't been anything about his life that's consecrated. The only thing left is the hair. That's it. That's the only symbol of the vow that's left behind. He has obliterated God's command. He's been through the grapevines. He's been with pagan women. He's put his hands on dead things a couple of times. Um, no regard for the commitment. And so uh, we see that the reoccurring, what's the reoccurring area where he's fallen? Women. women. So, you know, Samson had some more of his exploits and things that he did and um, it, it, it comes to chapter 16 and, you know, um, he took the gates of the city and he walked them and he moved them and he's still in his disobedience. You know, he went into a harlot. If you guys remember that, went to a town, went and saw a prostitute, went and had her. And then while he was there and they heard he was there overnight, um, he got up at midnight, took the city gates and moved them and, you know, clowned everybody. And, and, and we come to verse four and I want you to note the first word of verse four. It says afterwards, it happened. And this, this is key. And that's why I broke up the lesson the way I did. It says, afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. Don't miss that afterwards, right? There's a whole lot that's happened before this. Samson's, we're going to see tonight his ultimate failure with this woman, Delilah. But he's been weakened over time. So when it says afterwards, it's focusing back at everything that he's done to weaken himself. After disobeying his parents to not go after that first pagan Philistine woman, after not honoring his parents, then after disregarding the, the vow that he made and walking through the, the vineyards, after touching dead things, after going into harlots, after marrying a woman that he wasn't supposed to marry and then not getting her after all anyway, after all these things, after this life of disobedience, we end up here. And so one thing that I would point out to us in our lives is 
Every day that you live life, you're sowing seeds that you're going to reap at a later date. Samson's been sowing seeds and he's going to reap at this point tonight. Uh, every one of us, every day we're living, we're sowing. We're sowing seeds. We're sowing in how we treat people. We're sowing in our what we take in spiritually. We're sowing in the things that we do, the things that we take in. Every single day you're sowing. And eventually the things that you've sown, you're going to reap. And so we all want to be careful how we sow because that says that you're really responsible for a part of how life goes, right? There's there's some things in life that just kind of happen. They just happen to the good and the bad, you know, the, the sun rise on the just and the unjust. But there are things that are a direct result of what I sowed and what you sowed. The Bible says in Galatians, don't be deceived. Whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. And so if you take that verse and say, you know what, then I'm going to be careful how I sow. I'm going to make sure I sow spiritual things and I'm going to sow to my spiritual life and I'm going to be careful how I talk to people. And I'm going to be careful the things that I do in my life because I know that what I sow, I'm going to reap and I'm going to treat people in a certain kind of way. That person did me wrong. I'm going to sow forgiveness because I know not long from now I'm going to need some back. You just be careful how you sow. Um, and there's a part of your life that you're, you're, you're responsible for how things go. Anybody know messy people? That always got messed. Everywhere they go, you find like it's everywhere you go. Everybody, it's you. Everywhere you go, there's fights. Not you know everybody didn't have everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, there's fights and wars and 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 people tear, you know did you wrong and I know people like that. It's, and I, I'm just it's you. It's man. Every you go somewhere where everybody else was chilling and now everybody's up in evil. It's you. Just stop going places. Go home till you get yourself together before you go anywhere else. It's you. So be careful how you sow. Let's move on. Um, so the second part of verse four. So afterwards, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek whose name was Delilah. Now, I just want to point out when it says loved, because uh, I don't want nobody to misunderstand. This ain't no good. This is not the good kind of love. This is not a biblical love. He don't really love it, this woman. He, he liked how she looked. He wanted something from her. That word love, it literally means to have an affection for Someone sexually or otherwise, it's used in Second Samuel thirteen one of just pure lust. When uh, it says it came to pass after this that Absalom the son of David had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon the son of David loved her. Now he didn't love; he went and raped her. He didn't love; he wanted her. He lusted after her. So I just want to point that out that a lot of what because you know you read this in your Bible and you realize that this is what people say today. Guys would be, eyes are full, I love you. No, I'm, I, I, I could say a lot more, you know, but just single, sing, single, single sisters. Men, men use love um, because women want to be loved. And so just be careful about somebody telling you, I love you, I love you. And they know how to say it right. They know how to say it in the right tone. They get the berry white, you know. Be careful because there, there's, a, there's a lot of words for love in the Bible. Um, there is there's agape biblical love, right? That's that's good love. Uh, there is uh, you know there's a there's a type of love that's, that's for marriage. It's a, a romantic you know erotic sort of love. And then there's brotherly love. But then there's you know in our in our culture in our vernacular, you can have somebody say, "I love peanut butter, I love pit bulls, and I love you." <laughs> and it's not a big gap between the three things. And so you want to be real careful how much weight you put on that terminology. Amen, single ladies. Okay, I hope I'm helping you. So uh, so he, he loved her, but understand it's not the right kind of love. So, um, But this woman whose name was 
Delilah. Verse five, it says, and the lords of the Philistines came to her and said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him and afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1100 pieces of silver. And so 1100 pieces of silver is, is going to come from each one of the lords of the Philistines. Um, Judges chapter three, verse three tells us that there were five lords of the Philistines. So it's quite a bit of money that they're offering her. Um, it's either 1,100 pieces of shekels of silver times five. Um, 1,100 shekels of silver equals 140 pounds of silver. And so 140 pounds of silver times five. Either way, she was about to get loaded down. I mean, this was a good amount of money. They were saying, look, if you just can find out what the secret of his strength is, and I want you to pay attention to what the enemy wants to do. It says, we want to find out how to overpower him, how to bind him, that we may afflict him. You should highlight those, underline those. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants to overpower you. He wants to bind you and he wants to afflict you. And so they're, they're asking point blank. Can you find out Delilah, you have the job. He chose you, but you belong to us. Now you have the job to find out what the secret of his strength is so that we can overpower him, bind him and afflict him. I want to, I don't want to spend the whole time on this, but I, I just want to warn, uh, all those that are unmarried. How many are unmarried? Raise your hands right now. Raise your, okay. All you wonderful unmarried people. Listen, hear me real good, right? You don't want, you don't want, you don't want, even for a moment, you don't want to in, entertain the opportunity for a relationship with someone that is not right with God. Because who do they belong to? The devil. The devil. Samson just looked up. With a woman that belongs to the enemy, and the enemy's like, "Oh, sweet, we got him. We got, we got, we got him through you. He he wants you. We're gonna use you to take him out. Awesome, great setup. Don't miss when we read when you read your Bible. Don't miss something like this. God has put this here for you to learn. Look, you hook up with the enemy. I had a, a pastor hard to say one time. He said, "Look, if you marry, so we're talking. It was a men's conference, and he told the single men, if you marry a non-believing woman, just know that her father-in-law is the devil." You got there, and I'm like, ooh, you know, I mean, that, that's the, the whole room just went, mm, her, her daddy-in-law is the devil. I'm passing on that every time. So if you're single, um, we've been told not to do it. Sam Samson was told, had he just obeyed God, he would never even be here. He wouldn't be in this town. He wouldn't be with this woman. He wouldn't be in this situation. He's only where he's at because he's, he's made it a pattern of his life to say, I know God said, but I want, and I'm going to get what I want because I want, I'm God. I'm in charge. Um, so I challenge you not to live that way. I encourage you not to live that way. God told Samson not to live that way because he loved Samson. Samson lived that way anyway, and he's going to suffer the consequences of doing so. Um, if you, again, enter into a relationship or, or get into something with somebody that doesn't know the Lord, you have to know that, man, I am now, I'm wrapped up emotionally with someone that belongs to the enemy. They belong to the devil. The devil is their Dad, and so we want to be cautious about that. Um, so anyway, and uh, so I guess the devil will be her, not her father-in-law, but her, her not, not her father, her father-in-law, her father, her father, her daddy. Either way, y'all got the pictures. You be closer to the devil than you ever want to be. And so, uh, so anyway, so moving on, verse five, uh, Delilah, the Philistines go to her and say, "Hey, we'll pay you well to figure out what we can do to this guy." Um, 
like they wanted to do this to him, we have to know that the enemy is, he's looking for venues. How do I get a hold of somebody? And for some of you guys, it may, be not, it, it may not be through, uh, you know, male-female relationships. You might just have bad friends. Just know that the enemy is always looking for, how can I get close to her? How can I get all up in their life in a way that I don't belong there, that I can destroy them? He'll do it through whatever you let happen. He'll do it through relationships with men and women. He'll do it through friendships that, that are outside the will of God, friendships that, that are not biblical friendships. So be careful. Be careful who you align yourself with, who you spend time with, who you make your friends and who you enter, enter into relationship with. Be careful of all these things. Verse six. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. I just want you to, I just, I'm going to read that question one more time. This is the woman of his dreams. I mean, I bet that she was a great looking chick and everything else. But when this, I mean, I don't know how good looking you could be to get over, to tell me this line. She comes to him and says, Samson, I just want you to read this and just think. She said, Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. That's a terrible question. <laughs> Tell me where your strength lies and what can you be bound up with in order so you to be you can be afflicted? Because because that's obviously what I want to do to say once you be afflicted. Now, common sense, right? Anybody here with your eyes wide open, you would say that's this is not a good relationship. <laughs> this is not going in a good direction. Matter of fact, we could just give me the bill right now. We're done. You know, Uber home. It'd be over. Um but here's, here's something, and I want you to write this in your note, and it won't sound deep, but it is so true. Sin makes you stupid. <laughs> Does. Write that down. Sin makes you stupid. I could give case in points. You get some man or woman wrapped up in a relationship with someone that they're not supposed to be with, let it get physical, let it go beyond what it's supposed to, and, and they'll see all these obvious signs. Everybody can see that, oh, this is no good. Oh, no, he's no good, girl. Look, look, he's doing this right now. And it's like, no, but he has a good heart. You know, <laughs> just sin makes you stupid. I've seen men and women stupefied because they, they're sinning. And so for those that are single, it's why God says, hey, don't get wrapped up physically. That's why that's reserved for marriage. When you get married. You need to be stupid in love with him or her. You need to, when you get married, you need, you need to be able to see beyond all the faults and flaws. That's after marriage. That's good for that. We need that, right? But before marriage, no. You're going to make bad decisions. You're going to be open to things that you shouldn't be open to. You're going to disregard things that are, that are not good. And so sin makes you stupid. Um, it also blinds you to the obvious. And so, I mean, that question, I would think, Anybody in their right mind would just say, that is, you are not what I want to be with, that you can bind me and afflict me. You know, I'd be, I'd be on my scooter. You know, I'd be on my way out of here. So um, verse seven, it says, and Samson said to her, and he gives her, this is the first attempt on his life. We're going to see four, four times that he gives her information. Um, obviously, three times is false information. This time he says, Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dry, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying, in, staying with her in the room, 
And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Now, once again, um, if I'm Samson and let's say I just didn't catch the first hint. Tell me what will make you weak like everybody else so you can be bound up and be afflicted. And I wake up and I'm tied up with exactly what I told you. I made this up. So I, I'm tied up with fresh bowstring, not yet dry. And it happened to be some Philistine in our room where, where I was at. Again, the obvious thing would seem to me that he would wake up and say, you set me up. You called these guys, you, you set me, you tied me up and you called these dudes and he, he popped them off and probably killed everybody in the room. And, and I would think then, right, if he was in his right mind, that he would say, you know what, I'm pa I pass on you, Delilah. I, I really wonder, like, what, what does she look like? <laughs> who would put up with this? Who would, who would go with this? But it's as strange as this is, some of you guys know people that have been in relationships this ridiculous and stayed and been willing to stay. Why? Because sin makes you stupid. It does. It really blinds you. It blinds you to what's good for you, what's, what's wholesome, what's healthy. It blinds you to everything that makes sense. This makes no sense, but it's happening to Samson. How has he been weakened to this point? Because this ongoing sin and rebellion has weakened this man. Uh, this man that God had great plans for, this man that had great potential, he's weakened. And so now it says in verse 10, then Delilah said to Samson, now she had the nerve, right? I would have something to say to her. But she had the nerve to say to him, Sam, Delilah said to Samson, look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now, please tell me with what you may be bound with. And again, I'm thinking, you, you got that's a lot of nerve. You know, she's like, you lied to me. You told me you could be bound up and afflicted with that. And it didn't even work. You know, like it, it should be obvious, but it's not. So here goes the second time. So he said to her, if they bind me securely with new ropes, that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So he changed it up. This time it's new ropes. Last time it was bowstrings, not yet dry. This time it's, if they got, if they get me with some new ropes, then I shall become weak like any other man. Therefore, Delilah took new ropes and she bound them with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. And then Delilah said to him, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me with what you may be bound with. And let me stop right there. So second attempt, he tells her another lie. And I want you to note that he's, he's lying. She has him in a sequence of he's lying about what it really is. He's toying with it. What's he he's playing with sin? The Bible says you cannot take fire to your bosom and not be burned. He's playing with fire. Sounds like I'm going to give her a little bit, see what happens. And I want you to think, just think, I, I try to read the Bible as this. I believe these things actually happen. So what was it other than obviously he was, he was dumb. He was being, sin was making him stupid. But, but I wonder if there was not a little bit of pride in Samson was like, you know what? I, like he was just that guy where it's like, if I wake up and they hear, I'm going to just jack him up. So, you know, I wouldn't be able to sleep. If I went to some lady's house and I'll keep waking up and dudes is coming out the bedroom, I, I probably would never go back there again for one. But if I did, I... I'll be checking the drawers and claw before I go to bed. Sam's going to go right to sleep like I'm worried about nobody. Um, I wonder if the the reoccurring him, him always it always working out. I wonder if that is 
it plays into his like, eh, it always works out anyway. And I would just caution us too, because some of us, because God is patient, long-suffering, and just letting it go and giving you, giving you lots of opportunity to kind of turn the thing around, if you will. Some people read that as God's permission, permission, God, you know, being okay, or like, maybe this is okay. Nothing's happening. I'm actually still being blessed. And, and so they don't repent, and they just continue to go in the wrong direction. Well, eventually we know that it's going to end. Eventually Samson's going to pop up one time, and we're going to read in just a little bit that he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. But for right now, the Lord keeps showing up. And again, I'm looking and thinking, man, like, you know, just taking advantage of the grace of God, taking advantage of the mercy of the Lord. God is so merciful. And I'm, I'm not I don't want to I don't ever want to play down the mercy of God. Or I, I love it for me and I love it for you. I love the mercy. I love to see God's mercy applied to people because we need it. None of us would make it without it. We ain't just not good enough. But you don't want to play with God. You don't want to play games. Um, you don't want to do stuff like this with regard uh, to your relationship with the Lord, because, again, right now, it seems like it just keeps working out for him. He pops up, bleep, breaks off the string, probably beats up the Philistines. And, you know, I, and I, I bet he sits down and just feeling like, you know, <laughs> you know, like just he feeling all right. And then Delilah comes back again. Now, look at the rest of verse 13. You know, she says, you know, uh, Sam, Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me with what you may be bound with. And he said to her, this is the third one. He says, if you weave the seven locks of my head into a web, into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of a, of a loom and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And let me just stop here. This is the third time. But what's happening? He's getting closer to the truth. Now, the, his hair was not the secret of his strength. But his hair was a symbol of the commitment that he had made before the Lord. And sadly for Samson, the hair was just a symbol of something that he was no longer walking in. And there are people today that there are symbols. Uh, there are people today. I know people that got tattoos about being devoted to God, but their life ain't devoted to God. They got symbols. Uh, you could wear a cross. You could you could have outward symbols that say I belong to the Lord, but. But you ain't really living for the Lord. Samson had hair left that said, I made a Nazarite vow. I've been a Nazarite. My hair has been growing since I was born. I've never cut it. He's a grown man. Never cut his hair. That hair was long. He had locks. We'll read in a minute. He had seven. He had right seven big, fat, naughty dreadlocks. You know, it probably was disgusting as, as you want to see, too. You know, but he had them. And that was the only symbol left in his life that that this was supposed to be a life devoted to, to the Lord. You know, this is supposed to be a life that was totally set apart for God. And I don't want us to miss this because we're not Nazarites, but y'all know that we're also supposed to be totally set apart for the Lord. Uh, when we were purchased with the blood of Christ, God's goal, God's intention was that we would belong to him completely and absolutely. That you have soul rights and soul privileges to me and to your life. That we would surrender to him, that we would let him be Lord that his will would be done and accomplished in our life, that we would no longer do our thing, but we would do his things. Just like Samson, who there was this outward symbol that at one point in time, you know, he had made this commitment, but there was no, no follow-up in his life. Make sure that that's not you. 
You know, make sure that, you know, you're not the person who, you know, you go out witnessing and evangelizing. I meet so many people like, oh yeah, I, you know, I got baptized when I was this old. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm looking at you right now. The Lord don't own you right now. Much of life is cyclical. There are seasons that cycle through and then start over again. You see the pattern or cycle of the Israelites in the book of Judges. They rebel from God and sin, bringing judgment on themselves. But then God sends them a deliverer, and they turn back to following God. But eventually, they turn away and start the same cycle over again. Do you think God got tired of that cycle and wanted to throw in the towel with these people? If anything, the book highlights God's mercy when the Israelite people were undeserving of rescue. But this is the God we serve, one who's looking to redeem and rescue. He also wants you to genuinely turn back to Him, not questioning His goodness or faithfulness, God's long-suffering. And He proves this time and time again in the book of Judges. Have you been enjoying this series in Judges? Pastor Bill has been working his way through this book here on The Transforming Word. If you'd like to hear additional messages from Judges, Head over to CalvaryInglewood.org. Look under the teaching tab for more messages. While you're on our website, you can download our mobile app to take teachings with you on the go. Something else you might find at our website are links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Stay connected with us through those various platforms and come back again to hear more from Pastor Bill. There are many things to learn from the book of Judges and we're just getting started. So make sure that you don't miss a single edition of A Transforming Word.